you feel he yeah when you're here your family coming that's what cole always says coming to the poznowski's house it's like the olive garden there's food there's unlimited breadsticks salads and everybody's weirdly wearing like half a tuxedo <laughs> it's just how we like to dress Dear readers, welcome to episode 39. 39, are you feeling fine? <laughs> we were in Colorado and... Uh, the Midwest. We took a uh, <laughs> <toe> rafting. <laughs> oh my God, I saw that. It was that, so cute. That scared me. He loves rafting. Or at least I thought he did. We took him rafting in New York at, at the Delaware River. And then we took him rafting again in Colorado. And we're on the river. And do you know what he said to me? What? I don't have time for this. <laughs> he said, I'm sorry. He says, I'm sorry. I need to go. I don't have time for this. And I was like, <laughs> where are you going? He has shit to do. Busy man. So did he like it? He loved it. He laughed hysterically the whole time. And then he just kept uh, yelling at the whitewater guide that he wanted more fast water. <laughs> guy's like, dude, it's nature. Yeah. Like, what's going on? This guy's like stoned in his 20s. It's his like <laughs> summer job. I oh, was giving him a hard time. I love that you had like an adventure. That sounds traveling. It's yeah. my friend going to Italy. He's an Italian citizen as well. And he's going to the Venice Film Festival. And I was like. Please just like enjoy leaving for something. So you're allowed because he has. It's for work. Technically, you can travel for work. Oh, and he has an Italian passport. So I think got it. That also. Do we have any listeners in Italy? Um, I don't know. If so, we do in Germany. You know what else? Einstein, I. I know that's one, two, three, baby. You know, uh, we've got at least one listener, maybe two, in Cyprus. In Cyprus? Correct. Hey, if you're our Cyprus reader, shout reach out. out. Reach out. We'd love to. <laughs> well, I just to, like also, shout out to sh- Cyprus. Can we go to Cyprus and like see our two fans? I we would should. love that. That's we- what we should do. We should book uh, a coffee shop in Cyprus and do a, our first live show there. Would you do a, a, a hot 30 minute? It'll be a mini start. It'll be one of our Patreon episodes for sure. No, it's going to be a two a hour full- show. <laughs> You're our longest show yet. <laughs> By the way, dear readers, I have a correction. Oh. So this comes from uh, a dear... We should figure out a name, whatever, like our creepers, our, tr- our peeply creeplers. Um, uh, <laughs> our dear friend Michelle, she texted me. She's a tour guide in New York. And she was like, Carrie, I was listening to the story of the Queen Mary. And I just have to tell you, you were wrong about the war brides. I, my, mine was really, it was very nice. And I love, I love a correction, dear readers. And I'm always going to give it to you straight. I'm not, I'm not perfect. I never claimed to be. I didn't come here to make friends. I came here to make a podcast. So war brides, what I thought they were was that all of the dead guys, there were too many dead men and too many alive women. And so they traveled over here. Shipped them off. What really happened is it's way more romantic, which was all of the women who fell in love with the American and Canadian soldiers. Right. They were, like, engaged or married while the soldiers were stationed in the in England or the UK or, you know, Europe. And so the war brides was them coming to be with their loved ones. Oh, that is, that's nicer so than what you thought. it's nicer than what I thought. You thought it was, like, sex trafficking. <laughs> well, on a government level. It was sex yeah. traffic on a government <laughs> level, which actually... I actually want to tell my story now, but because it's not, Ooh. I know, intrigue. I'm so intrigued. Is it my turn or your turn first? Ooh, great cue. We don't, by the way, dear readers, do you even care? The Probably the answer is no, no. you don't. By the way, you're listening to Truly. Darkly. Creeply. Starring Carrie Ipema as herself. And featuring... <laughs> I set it up every time. I don't learn. I love it. I, by the way, this is not an ad. Um, I just want to shit on Sprint. 
and say oh. Sprint is terrible. And I'm super mad at them. And the only way they'll get us to say otherwise, well, I think you know Sprint. We Sprint, you, you know what you did. What we want. Sprint is stealing from me at an alarming rate. And I don't have time for it. And I was on, I've been talking to customer service for like the past month and a half. Getting to know people. I just want to say, this is an anti-ad. This is reverse ad. Reverse Screw Sprint. <laughs> Um, I did want to tell you something just because it was creepy and funny, which is that we went to um, a little like farm in Colorado that you guys go on the best adventures. Thank really. you. I want to travel with you guys. Yeah, we're really good at it. Uh, so this farm we went to had a, co- a really strange component to it, which is that it had a room and you could go in the room by yourself, essentially. And so we went in just Koa, Matt and I, and it was a toy museum. And each uh little area of exhibit was not only, oh, this is the decade or the year span these toys are from, which was a fun blast from the past. You love seeing like the toys you grew up with. Yeah. And like Strawberry Shortcake and uh, Rainbow Bright and uh, Rock'em Sock'em Robots and all kinds of stuff. Poppets. Poppets. Popples. Forget about it. Popples? If you don't know, you don't know. But what if I don't know? You don't know what a popple is? We have our childhood Popples was like are, a little different. We missed, we were like, we missed a gen, we missed a, a right. toy cycle. We're, we're, we're a toy cycle you're trying apart to not age. say I'm old, but you're like, no, 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 we're a toy it. cycle apart. That's how I'm going to refer to people. <laughs> okay. Like, Kawa, I'm like 10 toy cycles apart. <laughs> Correct. You know, more than that. Are you kidding? I'm 30. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like, wait, <laughs> that math does not add up. And we've been trying to get better with math. So I'll cut that too. Um, Popples are little creatures i don't know what they're supposed to be but they're in the shape of a ball and they're fuzzy and they are stuffed animals that their actual pouch can be folded over them so that they can camouflage and look like a ball and then you can pull the pouch open and voila it's like the earliest transformer suddenly a popple appears which is some sort of animal vaguely reminiscent of a care bear Almost. Ooh, I'm curious where, like, what the elision, I think that's the word, of the word popple. Like, what is it, like, pop? What's the bull part? Uh, yeah, it wasn't in the room for the pitch the meeting. The room where it happened. But the room where it all happened with popples. But I'm not here to talk about popples. I'm here to tell you that what was so interesting was not only was it a toy museum where they're like, oh, this is this decade, blah, blah. There's a picture of every person associated with each exhibit because all the collection of toys were donated so it would be like here's quinlan posner here's her toy collection from when she grew up in the 80s oh cool and then it would they would talk about like maybe their memories of the toys so you're getting like a picture of each person's childhood as well and there's this one guy whose collection of toys was so dark that i was like what is your story (laughs) And why did you keep these? There was a dating, it was all little kid stuff. There was a dating board game that looked to be very misogynistic and strange that was like, what we you wear on the date and like where we go. There was a yo-yo in his exhibit. That was the and only- And by the way, the dating game was his game? Correct. I feel like the dating game is always like, because we had the ones in the 80s, you know, the dating game. That for the I always felt like they were very geared towards women or not women, girls. That was like, game that is was he like, going to answer the phone? Dream Date. Do you remember the game Dream Date? No, but I sort of. Okay. I didn't have it, but yes. So this was worse because it was like older feeling. It was like, are you going to wear a swimsuit on the date or this? On the, It was so odd. And it was. The answer is yes. On every date I go on, I wear I a swimsuit. I always wear a swimsuit. You never I, know what's going to happen. Well, you I want to be prepared for wet, for water sports. <laughs> <laughs> So picture his cases, a yo-yo, a dating game, and a book on taxidermy. And the book on taxidermy, I am not kidding, was opened to a page that said, Opportunities in Squirrels. (laughs) Do you die? No, the squirrels did, clearly. Um, But I was like, what? happened to you are you a killer now for 100 sh- percent. there's no way you could have there's no that those guy's are your three jail. favorite toys do you, i'm i'm honestly speechless i like it because i i like to think that someone in the museum had like a tongue-in-cheek 
you know, we're like, this is so fucked up. Let me do X, Y, and Z. You know? Oh, you think that it was a put on? I don't know. I don't know. It feels too weird to have been made up. It's and this, very the weird. picture of the guy, he had like the child molester glasses, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like not eight, or late 80s, early 90s. I mean, everybody aviator. had those glasses in that yeah, 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 time period. Poor, so it, you know what? Honestly, those poor glasses. They got what did such they ever a, do to deserve that? What did they ever that? do to deserve that? So some guy picked him out and put him on and decided to molest or kill or rape. And these glasses get the bad rap. You're right. It's and not honestly, fair. And honestly, it's not fair to this glass. Is. Although they're yeah. kind of coming back. Beards I've seen have also had a hard time. Mustaches specifically. Mustaches are worse. You're right. <laughs> the only facial hair, and I, I think I've said it once. I've said it once. I'll say it before. Chin strap beards. What is that? Oh, that's this? That's just like a thin line. Oh, no. All the way. Like, what that's is, not something that has a bad name. That's something that has a bad everything. It's horrible. That... I wish this is going to sound so bad. I wish people who did bad things wore that and the Hitler mustache. That'll never be back in fashion. No, it's over. It's over. No one ever. No one's going to pull that off. Lived and died with him. And you know what? May it may it rest in hell. Um, do you want me to look up who went first last? Does it matter? Uh, no, I don't care. Okay, then I'll do mine. Do it. Okay, because it's so good. I think it's good. I can't wait. I don't know, but we'll see. Okay, so I got most of this information from the Scotsman. Great. Um, I'm not trying to brag. (laughs) I've been on the cover. (laughs) Okay, no questions. Hello, hello. Well, hello, dear readers. It's my dating profile. Um, Okay, so this is a story. I'm not even going to tell who it's about. Um, So September 28th, 2002. If you remember, we're just getting into the Iraq um, conflict and in England, there were many protests happening. And that includes, you know, mostly left-leaning groups, mm-hmm. socialist groups, things like that, um, anti-fascist groups. Um, and on September 28th, 2002, there was this anti-Iraq protest in London in Hyde Park. And there's this woman, Donna McLean. And she's not necessarily affiliated with all these groups, but she has a lot of friends in the circle. Her dad was this union guy so she's she's from like outside is she from outside of london she's from she lived in london but her dad is from i think scotland somewhere in the uk but he's like a working class guy so she's not coming from money or anything so she goes to a protest with a bunch of her friends there there was 40 there was 400,000 people who protested at this anti-iraq protest so Donna McLean goes with her friend, and she meets up with this guy, Dan, who she worked with, who was also a friend of hers. They work at a hostel for homeless people. Dan is very active in the trade union and the anti-racism union. He he can't they they refer to it, it's an English Scotsman is a Scottish newspaper or publication. So they keep saying campaigner, which I think it's just an activist or it's someone who, you know protests frequently they refer to these people as campaigners so he's there with this guy carlo neary he's like a pretty normal guy he's a locksmith and he's super charming like he's a really nice guy he he was he was quote useful skipping (laughs) he's skipping well my favorite game is to skip without smiling remember to skip it you can't oh hell yeah can you do a skip it while doing a bop it at the same time? I can't, but. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see those bop that had like five sides? No. Oh, they'd fling it, flip it. Fling it, flip it, flick it. Fuck it. <laughs> just like. <laughs> just Bury a, it. It's just, maybe I was talking about a flip. Kill fle- it. Maybe I was just talking about a fleshlight. <laughs> fleshlight bop it. Copyright, I'm making it. Okay, um. <laughs> So Carlo Neri is this locksmith. He's instantly very charming. They said he was, quote, useful, which means he had a car. Well, st- all locksmiths are useful. That's their whole thing. I mean, I wouldn't want a killer to be a locksmith. That would be really bad. Ooh, good point. And that's not a spoiler for this. But so he had a car and he cooked. And it was like a pretty normal occurrence that he would cook for all of his friends and these other activists. And at one point, I think earlier, him and... 
Donna had a little bit of like a missed opportunity. He dropped a bunch of packages off at her house, but they never really met. But this protest was the first time they met and they just hit it off. She had just gotten out of a 12-year relationship with someone who broke her goddamn heart. We all know that feeling. So she's feeling really vulnerable. He also just got out of a relationship with someone. So they kind of found each other at the right time. He was born in London. His parents were from Bologna, Italy. And he, in his teenage years, he went back to Italy. But in his early 30s, he returned to London. Um, They clicked immediately. They had so much in common. They liked the same artists. They liked the same authors. They liked um, the same music. They both had Marvin Gaye's greatest hits. And they both had... No offense, but like, who who, didn't? But also, great. I, I mean, Marvin Gaye, if you're looking like, is someone good in bed? They got Marvin Gaye. Yeah, but everyone does. I mean, it's like being like... Do you like pumpkin spice lattes? It's like everyone likes pumpkin I know, but spice I don't have Marvin Gaye's greatest hits on my Spotify saved. It's How something I'm going to do. And don't worry, I will be adding it to our playlist. So Let's don't you forget. Let's get it on. Oh, baby. Woo! Okay, so <laughs> it was like they were meant to be. So six weeks later, he moves in. So Donna talked about how she loved seeing their books next to each other because just they were meant to be. They had so much in common, which I'm like, get rid of them. You don't need both copies. Feels odd. Um, <laughs> so, you know, when you start dating someone and you want them to hang out with your friends and sometimes they don't want to, this guy, Carla, was like super game to hang out with all of her friends, her family, her coworkers. He fucking showed up. And she wasn't, again, like a super activist, but she had a lot of um, activist friends. Three months into the relationship, he proposed. She says yes. They talked about where they were going to get married, whether it was Scotland or Bologna. Um, His father lived in Bologna. His um, mother died a couple years earlier. He asked her to have a kid. She was like, not yet, but one day, absolutely. The two ended up going to Italy, but they didn't see his dad. His sister, he had this sister, Ren, who suffered from depression. And so they would constantly make plans to meet up, but she always backed out last minute. He had an estranged son. He was really nervous to share this with all of his friends. And so finally he shared, like, I have this estranged son. And the son's mother was like, we want you to be in this kid's life. So he would spend every couple weeks with his estranged son. There was a photo of his son on the mantle. So he was, like, repairing his relationship with his son. And in July 2003, Carlo canceled on a trip they were planning for the Tour de France The night before they were supposed to leave, his dad had had a stroke. So he goes to Italy, and it's not a good situation. He comes back, and his dad had a stroke, so it wasn't good. They started talking less about the wedding. He goes back to Italy around Christmas Mm because his dad is getting sick and sicker. And she's like, it's okay. I'll go with my family. All good. She finds out on New Year's his dad dies, and then he comes back, and he's just kind of like a shell of who he was. Mm. Like, he just was not doing well. He revealed that at his father's funeral, his sister came to him and said that her dad had sexually assaulted her as a child. Their dad? Their dad. Yeah. And so, like, really bad shit. So he came back. He had, like, lost weight. He grew a beard, which, again, you know... Shit's bad when you grow a beard. Um, so he began breaking down. He was distant, volatile. He would disappear for, like, weeks on end. He ended up moving out to live with one of his friends. And finally, like, he would cry. He was, like, very emotional. So finally, in 2004, he emailed her. And he was like, our relationship is over. I moved on. And that oh, was wow. it. wow. Really crazy. So she never saw him again. She ran into mutual friends, and they were like, you know, he went back to Italy, he got fat, and he crashed his Ducati. That's what she heard. That's what it was. <laughs> okay. So it took her years to get over him. At the same time they broke up, her grandmother died. And then finally she met someone new, and she got married, and she has twins, and life moves on. What if the story just ends there? <laughs> Oh, my God. It would be so good if you were like, I don't know why. I just love that story. I just think it's really nice. I really needed it. She really persevered. And in the end. In the end. I'm sort of dying to just stop there. What would I even say to you, though? You'd be like, like, we need to talk, Karen. (laughs) Would I be reprimanded? (laughs) Okay. So in 2012, there was... 
rumblings or there was some accusations of undercover police officers that were infiltrating certain activist groups. And in 2014, she read this book called, like, Undercover, The True Story of Britain's Secret Police by Rob Evans and Paul Lewis. So it was about undercover officers who were infiltrating protest groups. And um, she gave it, like, a little thought. I think most people who left high and dry were kind of like, maybe this is what happened to me. And then she let it go. And then a year later, she gets a Facebook message from a mutual friend and was like, we need to talk. And Donna was oh. like, fuck, I know exactly what's going on. No. Yeah. Dear readers, if you could see my face. I mean, telling you, I have the chills. Truly, I have the chills. I, I'm blown away. I did not think that. I did not see this coming. <laughs> Holy fucking shit. Holy shit is right. Wait, really quick. Yeah. How long were they together? They were together, 2000, they met in 2002, they broke up in 2004, so two years, and they were engaged, and they right, right. lived together. Right. Yeah. They fucked, they lived. No, yeah, I know what being engaged looks like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they weren't waiting, save until, they weren't waiting, and they had this, okay, so, <laughs> what happens is, is she meets her friend, then she gets connected to this lawyer, or they call it a solicitor. She gets connected to this lawyer who's helping victims unearth what happened and get some justice in their lives in some way. This lawyer is working on getting an an official apology and some settlement from the MET or the SDS, which is the Special Demonstration Squad. So she at this point is like, I need help. I know this happened to me. She doesn't know yet. She's like, this is suspicious. This feels really off. And she starts talking to this lawyer who had already helped the first eight women who came forward and got settlements and apologies. Within three weeks of launching legal action... Um, January 2016, so this is 14 years after their relationship yeah. ended, the Met admitted that Neri worked for the SDS. So he was just a faker. He was an And he was cuff. with her to like, to, like, read her picket sign? Not even that. She was, she was what they called, um, it was collateral intrusion, which she wasn't, like I said, she wasn't necessarily affiliated with all these groups, but she had a lot of friends in the area. And so the reason why he would show up with her friends and work friends and family was he just got clout from being with her. Her dad is a, um, a trade union um, convener. So, like, he organizes certain meetings. So it wasn't, like, to figure out what she was up to as no. much as it was to figure out what everyone around her was up yes. to. And she was the vehicle. She was the vehicle. So he wasn't even spying on her. No. I, don't th- I don't know. I think it might make it worse, actually. I think it's Because then you're, you're, you're <laughs> it's, like, more insulting. It's It's like horrible. you weren't even interested in me on that level. <laughs> like, he just used her as a pawn, right? Whoa. That is, like, a two-year rape. It is. It's crazy. It's called, spoiler alert, it's called um, rape by fraud. Really? Rape by fraud. That's a thing? That's a thing. And apparently the Met cannot be convicted of rape by fraud, and so they're hoping to reverse that. This guy, Carlo Neri, he has a wife and a child. Remember that abandoned, estranged son that he would visit every couple weeks? That was his actual son, and his wife was at home. He had a wife the whole time. He proposed to her, but he was already married. How does the wife feel about this line? Does he of tell her business? Does he tell her he's like no, I have to go away for work? He definitely work. is the kind of guy that wouldn't tell. Well, her. she was like, we were in love. She was like, I can't eat. Like, imagine looking back and being like, oh my god, it was all fake. And what was crazy is, is this sister, like the story that he made up of his sister with depression who kept flaking. Was He did have a sister. She worked in a deli nearby. And they would go on dates near these areas. And it was like, the article was like, these undercover guys love adrenaline, love are thrill seekers. So it's like, he loved the idea of like maybe getting caught with his wife or like his sister. What? Wild. So the Met or the SDS were the special demonstration squad. Their goal was to infiltrate radical protest groups and including left-wing protest groups, anti-fascism groups, environmentalists, animal rights groups, trade unionists, and those who protested the deaths in police custody. Oh, interesting. So think about, I mean, part of the reason at, 
and I don't want to spoil alert this too much, but I will. In the article, they were like, if you think that Black Lives Matter doesn't have some of these undercover police officers in there, you're mistaken. Oh, interesting. Horrible. And so he picks up on her vulnerability. She just gets out of a relationship, right? 12 years. He's like, I did too. He was able to go to her flat and see all of her books and things and able to get the same ones and just develop the same taste. Like all these things that she was like, were so much alike was all orchestrated just to get closer to her. Oh, it's so spooky. It's so gross. Um, like any good cop really or undercover person is you tell parts of it are truth right right so he did have family in bologna and he did have a sister mm-hmm. um and he did have a kid and he used his actual child's picture on their mantle because he's, he's method super method <laughs> this guy is daniel day lewis daniel day freaking lewis what's crazy is while he was infiltrating these groups and getting to know all of her friends or people within these left-wing groups he would incite violence in some ways. Like he would say things like, you know, we should uh, we should firebomb this store that I think is a uh, that's supposedly a front for um, one of the racists who bombed a Bologna train station in 1980. So he would like egg them on. And there's actually another report of this guy, Bob Lambert, who was involved in a firebombing while he was undercover. Like he incited it and agitated it. That has to be illegal. I forget what it's called, but it's a thing. Even as an undercover, he's trying to see, like, who goes along with him, you know? He's, like, egging it on to, like, show the evil actors. I don't know the word, but I do think that's illegal. But what's crazy is this. Bob Lambert, while he was undercover, had a child with someone. He had a kid. The kid was 26 years old when he found out that his dad wasn't an animal rights activist who was forced to flee to Spain to avoid arrest, that he was a fucking undercover cop. So he had a kid with somebody and didn't raise the kid. He had a kid with someone and was like, I have to flee. I I have to go. I got to leave. I'm going to get arrested. And so this woman was left to raise her child all by herself. And the kid was 26 years old. Knowingly made this woman a single parent. Knowingly made him. mm -hmm. Evil stuff. Like, so fucking evil. This investigation is ongoing. What's crazy is it's called the Mitting Inquiry, and what the it's the investigation into undercover policing that dates back to 1968. And what's crazy is it's constantly delayed. So it's been going on for six years, I guess, and it's used up tens of millions of dollars and or sorry, tens of millions of pounds, which is basically like tens of millions of dollars plus thirty percent, and um. <laughs> Thirteens of millions of dollars. (laughs) And there's been no evidence. What do you mean? There's been no evidence. They've put all of this money in. They've collected no evidence. Evidence. They've collected no evidence. Because of police obfuscation, which I had to look it up, which is just like not clear. I know what that is. I didn't. I had to look it up. I didn't know what it was. That's fishy behavior with police. That's just them being like. Yeah. And then legal challenges um, to or pr- to protect the anonymity of the officers. So gross. So she's Donna, her case, she probably won't be called to give evidence until 2023. Donna, and you got like, this. And she's like, he already has 20 years of my life. Like, he's already occupied this much time in my life. That's why it's so laughable when they're like, these women are getting apologies. I'm like, What? I don't want an apology. apology. I want fucking money. So what's crazy is, is most of the victims, the women, have found out about their partners and their secret identities through activists, researchers, and journalists. The police can't prevent them from releasing information that way because it's just like found information. But the police are not like openly being like, yeah, we did this. We did this. We did this. Mm. So unless you, like, stumble upon it, you're not going to get that information from the police. Certain records can't be opened because of, quote, national security. And what Shidana calls, no, it's national embarrassment is why they can't, which I like that. So Donna hopes um, that the investigation will find the Met guilty of institutional sexism, racism, and class bias. There is this phrase rape by fraud which a lot of these women are fighting it's like you didn't tell me who you were makes perfect perfect, sense yeah Yeah. well they refuse to charge the officers involved with rape by fraud because they say there is no deception 
because the purpose of their sexual feeling, the act itself, like they believe that the undercover, the undercover officers, their feelings were genuine, that they what? wanted to have sex with these women, that they loved them. That That's doesn't ridiculous. mean, yeah, it's like, but it's like the men's feelings were genuine. It doesn't matter how the women's feelings are but felt. But the women's feelings weren't genuine because they were being misled. They were lied to. They didn't want to have sex with liars. I fucking promise you. They didn't want to have sex with married men. I fucking promise you. I promise you that. They want the law and consent to be changed and the blanket ban on prosecuting undercover officers for rape by deception to be lifted. So it's rape by deception, I guess. It's not. But yeah, no, it's rape rape by fraud or rape by deception. Infuriating. And what's crazy about this is it's like, what did they actually do? Was anybody arrested? She was, she's like, were any crimes you know, averted? These were just like douchebags that were like, what a great fucking They're assignment. They're seekers. You're They're d- like, this is yeah. fun. This is like, I get to like live on the edge and live dangerously and might get caught and infiltrate a group Somebody's that I know nothing about. Somebody's paying me to cheat on my wife. Yeah. yippee ki Yep. Motherfuckers. How dare you? How dare they? So... So that's what she wrote. They're like, were any crimes averted? Were any groups disbanded? The biggest crime was actually incited by the officers themselves in this, like, secret infiltrating the system. So when this story went public, that's when Neary retired, Um, which is like, God damn it. Fuck you. And what's crazy is while undercover after meeting Donna, he had a relationship with a third woman. He met some other woman. He got involved, and he ended up divorcing his real wife, real wife, and marrying this woman. And he lives with this woman now hmm. that he met undercover. So, I think it's like I mean, you you got to wonder like if someone comes clean in the relationship, do you forgive it? I don't know, but either way, and just like those are the years of your life that you're figuring out your yes. life path and yourself. Well, that's to what rob she said. Someone of their years in that time, your years are worth so much more it's you like know taking she said away too she was like the real fucking crime here is that he preyed on women and their biological clocks were ticking you know it's like you totally. preyed on women who wanted families who like wanted love who wanted something lasting and to know that you can't provide that and prey on these women and when I, they can be building something with someone something else real with someone else and she's like luckily i got pregnant quick luckily i had twins with my husband and i found someone and i moved on but like that's not I mean, I'm just, you just feel so like what to be she robbed had, that way of your time. Yeah. It oh, like it would make me and your so energy. sick. Like she's like he would she's she worked. She was a mental health care worker. You know, she worked in the mental health care field and she was like he came and was crying about his dead father. And she was so available. And she was and so there. available and there. And you bet your ass she probably comforted him and helped him and fed him and protected him in ways that he, quote, needed. Do you know what I mean? Like, and then he tells a story about his sister getting assaulted, getting sexually abused by his father. Like, the lies, the things that she sits there and has to be emotionally available for, like, that's fucking time and money. So abusive. Horrible. So that's what a, a story. story. What a wild story. <laughs> I know. I couldn't. I'm sorry. I know it's upsetting. I know. Wow. Well, I just want to find all those men and cut off their penises and sew their penises to their arms. So they're like Jimmy last week. Don't bring up my brother's name like that. <laughs> so sorry, Jimmy. Not you. He knows I don't mean him. He knows I don't mean him. He knows. Oh, my God. That's a horrifying story. Well, as you know what, Matt, listen, you know, Matt's family, you know, like that's the thing, too, is he never brought her around his family or friends. I saw like I smelled a rat when you were talking about the not introducing you. Yeah, you did a good job, but it was still like those are red flags to date someone. And they're like, you can't meet anyone else from my life. He always had a reason. Of course they do. But what I love about it, too, is like. He made himself so available to her friends. And, like, he went to her family's house for Christmas graduation. Like, she, like, was like, we don't need to go to my sister's graduation. He's like, no, I fucking want to be there. Like, he overcompensated in a way that I think any woman who has had that struggle of, like, please come see my family. Right. It was, like, such a relief of, like, someone who wants to be around me and my friends and, like, will move mountains to do whatever I want to do. Like, selfishly as a single woman, I'm like, ugh. Could you imagine? How great. Ugh. Hate it. 
Thanks for letting me share it. Um, the article that I read, it was called Loving a Lie, and it was by um, Danny Garavelli. Well, I'm going to tell you a story. Okay, tell me. Fine. <laughs> Fine. This is the story of Lacey Spears. Every time you say that, by the way, I want to be like, this is a story about a girl named Lucky. No, but Lacey, it's so close. Did you say Lacey Spears? Spears? Yeah. See, this is what you just said. Did She's you mean so to- Lacey. She's a star, but she cry, cry, cries in a lonely heart thinking. So the story of Lacey Spears. Crime Reads, Medium article by Francesca Michelli. And this uh, website I found called lowhud.com, which they did a five-part series on this story. I'm not going to name what it was called because it's a little bit of a spoiler alert. I don't need a spoiler. They were great. Okay. So let's start when Lacey's uh, quite young. She's best friends with Jessica Lee Kyle. And they're in middle school in Decatur? Decatur, Illinois? Alabama. One day, Jessica looks outside and her mom is sitting on the porch with Lacey and she goes out and her mom's kind of like brushes her away is like go back inside and I need to go make a phone call Jessica's like weird um and doesn't discover until later that what had happened was Lacey is telling Jessica's mom that she was a victim of abuse so They're in middle school. So Jessica's mom is like, I've got to get this under control. She calls the Alabama Department of Human Resources, which is sort of like their equivalent of... um, Child Protective Services. Totally. So after that happens, uh, Spears moves in with her friend. Lacey moves in with Jessica and gets really close to the mom and is calling Jessica's mom, mom. And the allegation... Is that she was abused, but since that was never proven, you really can't find information on it. Mm -hmm. But Lacey actually told all her girlfriends at school, all the middle schoolers, lots of stories uh, revolving around what I call triple A. Abuse. Alcoholism. Anorexia. (laughs) And Is alcoholism not in there? Abortion. God damn it. I missed it by one A. That's the triple A. Triple A. So those helps little... with cars. Yeah. And our hot topic issues on the on the on the on the on the, on the ballot. She loved talking triple A. Didn't you know anybody like that in middle school? I completely did. I did. It's that wanting to be older thing, maybe a little bit, where like you want to have adult serious problems because it's like makes you interesting. It makes you God, like. I should read my diary. It was so. Benign. Awesome. It was so benign, but it was like yours my was sister definitely. made fun of me again. Well, <laughs> she's like telling these stories in a way where it was so evident even to the kids she was telling that they talked about staging an intervention with her. An okay. intervention. To have her stop telling. To stop these. lying. Oh, God. Because they were like met a pathological liar, haven't we? It was that vibe. So then she gets to high school, and in ninth grade, Lacey joins the softball team at Parkview Baptist Church, and she meets this woman, Paula Sandlin. She gets super close to Paula, starts calling her mom. One day, she shows up to the church, and she has an ankle brace, and she's like, "I fell while I was cheerleading, and the reason that I fell is that I never eat, and I wasn't eating." And then she keeps kind of telling people that and uh, focusing on the anorexic storyline. At one point, she's talking to Paula and saying that she had gone three days without eating. But somebody tells Paula, I saw her eat a hot dog yesterday. And so when Paula says that to her, she's like, uh, someone saw you eat a hot dog yesterday. Someone said you eat a wiener. Lacey's like, yeah, but that was all I ate. That's all I've eaten in days. So it's like there's... She gets, like, caught in the lie sometimes, but, but kind of just, down. yeah, she keeps spinning it. Um, the same year that happens, she tells Paula and a lot of her friends that she's pregnant. And then later tells them, well, what happened was I went to Birmingham's Caraway Methodist Medical Center and I got an abortion. But and then one of the... Probably, it's a meta it's the Methodist. One of the friends is like, they don't do abortions. And she's like, oh, I, yeah, I mean, I didn't go there. I, I went to Florida. To get the abortion. But, like, again. Yeah, she keeps getting caught in the lies. She's getting caught. She doesn't care. One night after choir practice, all the kids 
that were there are gathering at the back of the church. And one of the young moms has a, a baby there. And Lacey's a teenager and she like steps in to be like, I can help with the babies. And she grabs this baby and walks away oh, from the nursery where all the kids are to like a different part of the church. And everyone is kind of like, what do you do? It just freaks everybody out. Yeah. And it freaks the mom out. People are just weirded by her behavior. Yeah. She gets a gig, though, right out of high school babysitting. Ooh. She did not put any references on there, I'm sure. Well, and so while she's babysitting, she starts to tell people it's her kid. And the mom finds out that she's doing that. And so she has to stop babysitting. But she gets a new gig babysitting this little boy, Jonathan, and gets close to that mom, Autumn. And she loves Jonathan, John, John. But she's up to the same sort of behavior like this. She likes to play mom. That role, like I think taking the kid in the church and doing it with this first kid, she does the same exact thing with this little boy, John. John, she posts pictures of her and him on her MySpace account and says, she says things like, my world, my everything, or he completes me, or a mother's love is inexplainable. Unexplainable? (sighs) It's definitely unexplainable. So she's like pretending John John's her son all the time. She loves getting attention about it. But then she actually has a baby. At 21, super young. Her dream, arguably. So it's 2008. She has this baby. And now what she does, you'd think that would end it. But instead, she just starts taking pictures of her with both the babies, John John and her real son, Garnett, and starts saying things like captioning the photos that they're brothers or that they're her babies or whatever. Making it look like she if has two kids. If you have a babysitter, follow them. I think the babysitter- mom does find out in this case and is like, quit doing that, but also feels like sorry for her because Lacey has painted this picture of her life as being really hard where she's like, she says about Garnett is that Garnett's dad was a, a police officer, Blake, and that police officer Blake was killed shortly before Garnett was born. Then Garnett's also super sickly, like at two and a half months old. They do flight for life. Flight for life. You know, flight for life is like when you're really close to death and they have to helicopter you to the hospital because it's like you're gonna die. He just keeps getting hospitalized over and over again. He's hospitalized like twenty times. God damn. Before he's one years old. Doctors can't figure out what's going on with him. Meanwhile, she starts becoming a mommy blogger. And her her blog's called Garnett's Journey. And it's all about like details of his illness. And she says that he has Crohn's disease, celiac disease, seizures, ear abnormalities, and fevers. And then he turns two and she starts to tell people in her life at this point, oh, actually, he's my second born. I had another baby that died. And She moves to Florida about this time, probably because enough people knew her in Alabama that that lie was really going to be a hard one to sell. She probably got fired from the babysitting job because it's like, (laughs) what are you? She definitely in there. She was the woman was like, no more, no more. So she has to say her her first kid died because it's all over her social media. Yeah. My brother, my like the brothers, my babies. Yeah. It's like hard to know what she should do because she's as is with somebody that's a pathological liar. She's buried in lies and she just has to figure out. She's getting confused, I'm sure. Her grandparents live in Florida, so they move there first. And he has like a really great life there. The grandparents are really doting and love this boy a lot. And he has a bunch of toys and like cool shit, and they're really sweet. And they say that she's a really good mom. She's she's really into buying organic baby food. Okay? That means you're a super mom. I guess that answers the question of from last week of what's a super mom? And that is you buy organic. <laughs> this is one of her Facebook posts. No, my child does not eat off plastic, have his food cooked in a microwave, play with plastic toys that light up and talk. He isn't vaccinated, doesn't follow Western medicine. No, I won't take his pacifier until he is ready to let it go. At the end of the day, he is loved, nurtured, thriving, happy, and always put first. What I love about that is I imagine the meme where it's like, no one, colon, and blank space, and then that. Me. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, no one asked. No one cares. Okay, Lacey. Got it. So in 2012, Lacey and Garnett moved to Rockland County. 
basically what happens is they meet a couple people that are connected to this weird fellowship. It's not the Fellowship of the Ring. But is it a cult? <laughs> I don't know. I looked at their website. It if might be. If there's something called the Fellowship, I, I, I am want to be like, cult. It's called the Fellowship Community, and it's yeah, it's actually cult. close by. We can go check it out. It's Here's what it is. It's like 80 acres of farm and forest, cult. and it's in New York. Cult. It's like an hour and a half Outside north. the city. Sure. Yeah. Okay, let me tell you about it. You tell me if it's a cult. All right. Oh, we're into, like, serving the needs of elderly members through the phases of aging. Sounds scary, right? Um, I don't know. I mean... Old people are scary, so... <laughs> well, except Madonna. Oh, <laughs> She's God, how dare you? Do not call her old. She's She's, had she's so just work. made out of forever. <laughs> she is death becomes her. <laughs> Have you seen her recently? It's like I haven't. You haven't seen Madonna recently? No, it's scary. I mean, we were supposed to have dinner last week and she canceled. She's COVID. She's super flaky. But again, I think that's with age. <laughs> <laughs> so there's um 140 elder members, co-workers, and their children. This is like a quote from the brochure, I think. Love it. Living together in the rural setting of a farm with woods and orchards. 30 miles northwest of New York City. It's a place for people who are interested in self-development by working and learning in service to others and caring for the earth. Self-development call. Call. Self-development? That's a no-go for me. Spiritual science is another very buzzy thing they talk about. Yeah. No. no? This is a, do they all wear white? No. <laughs> No, they have no uniforms. <laughs> no uniform. But I that did just to me is like a cult thing. If you have a uniform, cult. I don't think they do. So basically, Lacey Spears, her deal is she says that she thinks it's going to be a really healthy change for her son to grow up here. He's now five years old, and they have a Waldorf school there, and they can live rent free because they're in this cult. It's a cult. If it's, it's, if like, it's, kind of, it's I don't want to call it a cult because it's, it's like a communal communal living. <laughs> Cult. Sorry, no offense. It could. Uh, you, it. We've never seen it work. Show. Prove us wrong. Prove us wrong. On fellowship community. Can, prove us wrong on communal living. So all the residents obviously like fall in love with this cute five-year-old guy. So she's like cleaning rooms, working in the greenhouse. He's doing Waldorf school, and she's Lacey's meeting new people at this place, and she's telling them all, "Here's my story. I have this." dead husband, Blake, the police officer. The story gets some new flavor flav. Ugh, we love when they ha- put a hat on a hat. He was reincarnated. In Garrett and Garnett? Nope, as an owl. He And he's the one that did the staircase murder. Nope, <laughs> just kidding. Okay. <laughs> that would be great. Um, no. <laughs> but she has like an owl collection in honor of. Okay, okay. So she gets super into owls. I feel like less reincarnation, more like, oh, it's a sign, like he's watching over me. That I that I forgive. And we all know Lacey likes stories, so she has, like, a hard time not Bringing telling... It in. <laughs> not telling stories. So after the, like, did you hear about Police Officer Blake? Did you? And everyone's like, yeah, you already told us. She's like, okay. And she calls the police to say that a man who's part of the fellowship exposed himself to her. And he says he didn't. Nothing ends up getting filed that's formal. And then a few months later, she accuses a different guy at the fellowship of uh, sexually harassing her. And he ends up, I think, being asked to even leave the fellowship. So she's kind of stirring up trouble. Yeah. I'm not saying she made these things up, but I actually, I I might be saying saying that. that. (laughs) I might be. She is complaining to everybody. Oh, I don't get any sleep because I have to be up in the middle of the night feeling, uh, feeding Garnett through his feeding tube. And that kind of is a little bit of a red flag to some people because they're like, that's so weird. Whenever I'm with him and she's not around, he eats food. Really normal. Like normal kid eats food. I wonder why she has to wake up in the middle of the night and be like dealing with this. Right. And that's, but that's something also you would never do is ask a mom about their kid like that though. Right. No, you would never. You would never. So I'm going to tell you about this nurse, Ginger Dabs Anderson. She is a former nurse at the Decatur General Hospital. And she and the other medical staff get suspicious about Lacey because she keeps showing up with her son and saying he can't digest food. And at one point, DHR, which I think is like, uh, I just wrote DHR, but I think it's 
some sort of child protective service, they call them about her showing up all the time with her kid and saying that he can't eat. And a spokesman for DHR says there's no record of any case being opened. And that the reason why is that DHR got there to the hospital and they did a plan of care and they talked to her and they teach her. That's their job. They're kind of like, let's make a plan of how you're going to move forward. And then they leave. They went out to her house a few times to check on them, but they don't do any more than that. It's like, you need to look at this because you need to figure out where it started. Like where, where, where somebody should have stepped in and didn't. Right. Is confusing. So that's why I'm kind of talking about they got a call and in their call log, it says child en route to hospital with bleeding from the eyes, nose, mouth and ears. They they definitely took a call and wrote that down, but neither the hospital or them followed up. Oh, God. Well, they said that they they filed that report and didn't follow up because neither like the hospital didn't file a report of suspected abuse or neglect. So I think it's different to call and be like, can you take a look at this right. or to file a report? Right. I'm I'm I don't know anything about this stuff and what the law is. So I'm kind of talking through it in a way where I'm confused by it. But it seems like they would have needed to do more yeah. to get DHR to do more. And they didn't formally file anything. They just called and were like, this looks fishy. She keeps telling us that her kid can't eat. And she asked us to implant a feeding tube. And we declined and said that he eats well. And so she took him to a different hospital and got doctors there to implant the tube. And she keeps complaining that he's not doing well. But anytime another adult is with him alone and tries to feed him, it goes fine. I think it's just also like a weird bureaucracy thing of jumping hoops. And I think people are scared to be the one to cause a fuss or raise an alarm sometimes. Right. I think it's an uncomfortable thing to do. You don't want to be wrong. Or you don't want to be right. You know, like it's like and also like if, if God forbid, if Garnett was really sick and you're taking his mother away, it's a single mother. It's like, could you, but still it's like, trust your blank. Clearly something was fucking wrong. So these people in the community don't totally trust their blank. I guess the nurses see something, but they don't go far enough with trusting their blank. I don't know if DHR saw something, but the end result is that January 17th, 2014, Garnett's teacher at the Waldorf school stops by Lacey's house and says that Garnett looked really uncomfortable. He's on the couch. He's connected to a feeding bag. Lacey calls a friend later and says, Garnett's having seizures. And that night he's rushed to the hospital and doctors are treating him. And it seems like after a couple days, they've solved it. He's looking better. They're going to be able to maybe release him. During that time... He's being monitored by a video camera to record physical symptoms because he's having seizures. So in case someone's not in the room and the camera shows Garnett and his mom go into a hospital bathroom two times with a white cup and his feeding tube. And suddenly his sodium level spikes again to 182, which I guess is really high. And he gets horrible headache, diarrhea, gets super sick again. They airlift him to Nyack Hospital in Westchester. On January 19th, Lacey's talking about what's going on with him online and says he's screaming in pain. On the 22nd, she's like, I'm going to move like I'm going to remove life support. And he gets declared brain dead. And she posts that his soul is already with the angels. And she says, I'm not ready to let him go. And on the 23rd, he passes away. Oh, my God. Spiders old. She killed her son. Yeah. So the nurses at that hospital are totally suspicious, obviously as they should be, because they find out that Lacey called a neighbor at the fellowship and said, can you get rid of this feeding bag, which the neighbor finds suspicious. So they get the feeding bag Mm -hmm. and they check it out. And there's... An estimated equivalency of 69 salt packets worth of salt in one of the feeding tube formulas. Oh, my God. So one of the detectives that investigated this said, if your child is sick and dying or perhaps brain dead, 
You'd want to be by that child's side. Lacey was the opposite. She wanted to spend more time with us, bringing us people to interview. It was a little bit odd. That's what one of the detectives said. Bringing us people to interview? Like, in what respect? I think to clear her. I think to, like, paint a picture of her. Wow. Wow. So, when Garnett dies, Lacey gets a Facebook post from a man named Chris Hill. He is... 29 years old he's a garage door installer and he lives in athens alabama with his girlfriend and he writes on her page this is my other son garnett and he is five years old i never get to see him because his mom just up and moved to new york well friday he had some severe seizures that caused his brain to swell and now he's brain dead and on life support even though i don't get to see him i feel like he's been with me this whole time I'm not going to lie. I cried for hours when I found this out, and it will continue to hurt until the day I die. Oh, my God. I, oh, my God. I knew Blake, the police officer, was a fake. How did you spot that? But, like, I I totally forgot about the day. Like, I just, I guess I didn't. Yes. Like, that. (laughs) So they met years ago when she lived in Alabama, and he lived in the same apartment complex as her, and... Uh, one day she was like, can you help me put together this crib? Because she was still sitting John John then and he was sleeping over a lot. And they become friends with benefits. And then she gets pregnant. And at first I think she's like, we're going to do this together. She's talking to him about making plans for baby, making plans for life together. And then she just totally cuts things off and won't speak to him. And he had tried to, I think, friend request her before. She doesn't accept his friend request until after Garnett dies. But then she does accept it. And she starts messaging him being like, we're in this together. We're his parents. We need each other. And he's like, uh, why'd you make up this story about police officer Blake? And she's like, oh, that was like to protect our son. Everything I do is to protect him. So now looking back at earlier things in her life, like how she was with that baby John John, Autumn, the mom, says he used to get severe ear infections all the time when she was in, when John John was in Lacey's care. Do you remember her son had ear problems too? She said his ears would leak pus and that he got like a hole in his eardrum. And then when she stopped sitting for him, he stopped having any ear problems. But she, at the time, never thought it was Lacey. She would have never suspected her, she said, uh, and thought, like, ear infections were just, like, a normal thing for kids to get. But Garnett also used to get really bad ear infections, and he used to go to the hospital for them. So she was charged with second-degree murder and first-degree manslaughter on March 2nd, 2015, and was found guilty. She was sentenced to 20 years instead of the max, which would have been 25 to life. Why not the max? They found her to be suffering from Munchausen's by proxy. Is that a mental disorder? Well, to be clear, they actually said she hasn't been diagnosed with any mental illness. But then they also said, but she has Munchausen's by proxy. I don't really understand. I don't understand the difference. Those seem exactly like saying the opposite thing. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't testify at her trial. She maintains her innocence to this day. She was on a uh, 48-hour special called Mother Accused and says, losing Garnett is the greatest loss I will ever suffer in my life. So to this day, she's never admitted uh, harming him. I watched the video of her going in the bathroom. It's what it sounds like. It's like you can't tell anything from the video, but it's not really the video to me that's damning. I mean, it sort of is in the sense that timeline wise this kid was doing better you came to be with him you're out of camera view twice he fucking plummets i think it's like finding all that salt that they found at her house in the um feeding tube she's acting like i have no idea how that got here sick everywhere else it's like you're the common thread lady he was eating normally it's it's the. Do you think she realized she was going to kill him? I mean, that's the problem. She didn't notice. But, like, I'm wondering if she was like, he'll just be sick. Like, it won't kill him. Like, all that salt. I have no idea. I don't think I totally understand the disease of the mind that is Munchausen's like, by What proxy. did she do for his ear? Like, I'm like, wh- did she pour salt in his ear? You know, like, what? What was she doing? Did she just use table salt for everything? Also, he was probably getting to an age where... 
he could start speaking. He would and start being like, "Yeah, I don't know." It's really hard to say if she was trying to kill him. I don't. I, I'm gonna say I don't think she was trying to kill him. I think she took it too far. But I think she wanted him to stay sick longer because then she would garner more attention. Do you know right. what I mean? Like, like for her, that's part of the sickness is getting. I mean, I I don't know for a fact, but I'm assuming the part of the Munchausen by proxy is that you want all the attention on you. So it's like, yeah, the death is obviously like a lot of attention, but like that the sickness part of it, like that feels like by prolonging that you're going to get a lot more attention. That's true. But maybe she felt like she was about to get busted. And so this I mean, kid is so cute. Don't look at pictures of him. It'll ruin you. Kids I, need advocates. Yeah. More than one. <laughs> because what if the one is a bad guy? There I mean, needs that's to be some sort of so checks noteworthy. and balances system. Those resources are so low. Like, we don't have, like, a fully functioning healthcare system yet, and our nurses are overworked. I mean, hell, I told a story a couple weeks ago about a nurse who killed people and kept getting jobs. Right. You know, like, like there's nursing shortages and people are worked hard and, like, people fall through the cracks. And it sucks that it's it's devastating that this poor kid garnett had no advocates in his corner i mean he had a couple but nobody thought hard enough you so sad like to know what kids are like in that way where he like loved his mommy and he like wanted his mommy and well he didn't know why he was sick so she was like and i think part of munchausen by proxy correct me if i'm wrong it's like and i don't think either of us know this for sure but like part of it is the attention that you get and i think part of it is the high of feeling needed by someone yeah like, I think that's part of it is, like, you are dependent on me and I have control and power. Yeah. And I'm also getting sympathy from everyone. Like, it's, like, a twofold benefit in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's so of course hard. He's like it's wanting honestly his mommy. harder for me to wrap my mind around it than almost any crime mm. in the sense that, like, as a parent – don't the, throw that. Okay, I'm not a parent. Uh, I get it. No. As a long-time parent. As a mother. As a mother. As a mother. No, but I do remember that once when Koa was really little, he got diarrhea. And he was probably, he was like one-ish maybe. And I just remember that it was really bad for like a few days where he was so sick and he was a baby he couldn't really communicate but he would be like look so sad and cry a lot and it was this like look like what is happening to me like he felt so hopeless and scared and I cried all the time for like three days I cried and I couldn't handle being around I mean thank god he's like generally a healthy kid I apparently I'm I'm not made of what you need to be to deal with a sick kid because well, I, I think you would adjust if it was a long-term thing. But like whenever I hear a baby crying and like the mom is around, I will nine times out of the 10 not be like, is the baby okay? I like look to the mom and I'm like, are you okay? Cause I like, it hurts you. It wrecks you. And that's it what I'm saying is you. like seeing your kids sick is the most out of control I've ever felt mm-hmm. because all you're doing, your, like, whole thing is trying to make them happy and safe. That's your whole thing. And when something is happening that's in the way of that right. and you can't do anything about it, you feel so out of control and it's really scary feeling. So that's where I'm like, I cannot imagine yeah. what you're getting out of this. And how you could do something like that and not be wrecked and terrified. It's like some part of the brain must be completely turned off. Yeah. Because it's animal instinct, isn't it? I mean, some animals eat their, eat their children. Who so does I, do that? Polar bears? Possums, rats, most rodents. Why do I think polar bears Like, do I think that? someone told me a story once about having a hamster. And it was like, my, the, my hamster had babies. The, the, for lunch. And then <laughs> <laughs> had babies for lunch. That's funny. I like that, Gwen. I really like that. Holy shit. Dark, right? So dark. And like Casey Anthony levels of hatred shooting from me toward this woman. Like Lacey Spears. Ugh. 
You're I, not we haven't my done, friend. We haven't done Casey Anthony. We should do that one. I don't really know it that well. I should do it. You should do it. I don't. Yeah, I got to take a break. These these the kids like, ones are rough. The kids ones are so they gut me. Yeah, it's different than anything else. I think. Uh, I wonder what police officer Blake thinks. Well, who is this police officer Blake? I don't know. I, would I like, love to meet police I like to officer think he's Blake. He's a character in like a CSI she watched or something. <laughs> she was like, "That's the dad." By the way, I have to tell you, I am. I caught up while you were gone. Yeah, I watched all of Grey's Anatomy. There are a lot. Well, I started it before you left, but I watch it when I work. Still, it's a lot. That show. I think I'm six seasons behind. Well, what are there, 30? Um, 16. I thought there were 20. There's okay. 16 seasons. 16 seasons. Is that the longest? What's the most seasons of a thing? Um, Doctor Who. Oh. Well, guys, thanks well, guys, for tuning in. gals, folks. Listen, it is important to subscribe. It doesn't seem like it is. But it is. I don't know why it is. I don't understand. I don't understand, know the answers here. But I've been told that's what you must do. So just do it because it that's easy. That's easy peasy. Writing reviews harder. You got to click the five star button. You got to say something nice about us. So you know, just do that if you're like moved to. Yeah, but if you feel really compelled, pff, click that Patreon. You know what I mean? Just I mean, what, what, are, you, are, you what are you scared of? What are you scared of? You're gonna get a jib jab. Yeah, you're gonna get a jib jab. You're gonna get. An you still episode. haven't sent me that jib jab, by the way. Oh well, subscribe. <laughs> <laughs> God, I love it. Uh...